a company could not have a specific revenue operations role and they're seeing all sorts of issues crop up as a result. And this could be like a company that knows they have some issues, but they don't know what the source of those issues are. It could be that they're not seeing, let's say, the reports that they need. They're not seeing the accurate numbers in the reports. And then we go in, we do an audit, we see that it's actually coming from an issue with their data, how they're collecting data, how their salespeople are working. So with reporting, it's always like that. Like reporting is like the end, what we get at the end when everything else is built out. And then there's also the operations, automation. People want to work more efficiently. They want to have a structured process, guidelines to work by to be more efficient. Could be that they identified that their team is doing tons of manual tasks and they're not really using the system. Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together, we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals, and retain more customers. Hello there. You are listening to Revenue Insights. Today, my guest is Penina Stauber, Director of Marketing at ScaleOps and Clued. She has developed marketing operations at over 40 companies, ranging from enterprise to SMEs across the HubSpot ecosystem. Penina, lovely to chat to you. Hey, Lee. Great to be here. I feel like I've given a pretty good summary of your background, but for anyone that hasn't come across yourself or ScaleOps or Clued, could you give a bit more context on your story and how you've got to where you are today? Sure. Uh, it actually started out pretty differently, getting into marketing operations, revenue operations. I studied fine arts like in university, and I really wanted to be an artist and an author. And then once I graduated, I realized, hey, I'm based in Israel, and the art scene is quite small here. So then I'm like, what can I do for work? <laughs> what transferable skills do I have? <laughs> In terms of a uh, painting, sculpture, sculpting. So I started working like as a freelance content creator. And I had quite a few clients. I was creating content, doing different sorts of content marketing, influencer marketing, content marketing, writing, graphics. And I had quite a few clients. And a few years, two years later, I started working with ScaleOps also on a freelance basis to just do the marketing. And when we started working together, one of the things I started doing was setting up a webinar. And I was working with Rosie, she's our CEO, and I was setting it up. And I like got the operations just like that. She was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, it's, it's fun. <laughs> and it's also, it's another part of like building the automations and the technical back end is something I never dealt with, but I definitely had a knack for. So that's how I started. That was like two and a half years ago. And I was doing like marketing operations work for clients and also the marketing for scale ops. And as the company grew, I was like working on more and more clients until we decided like uh, half a year ago that it was either like working full time on clients or running the marketing because we needed someone to fill that position. So here we are. Amazing. So you've worn obviously like kind of multiple hats in that time, both from doing the actual marketing to the market, marketing operations for a number of different clients. So 
it would also be helpful to have just a bit more context on scale ops as a whole and how your role fits into the wider the wider business. Yeah, for sure. So ScaleOps is a revenue operations company. We're based in Israel. We recently acquired a UK company, though, Clude. So we're starting to work there. And we have clients in Israel and abroad, in the States, in Europe. And we do revenue operations as a service and marketing operations as a service. So we work like on a two-day, three-day, full-time basis with our clients we also do like specific projects, whether they want to implement a CRM from scratch. We work with HubSpot, so we do that implementation. And then we take more of the operations angle to help them use it in the best way possible. Great. And so I'm interested to know then, and I think there's we've had the opportunity to kind of catch up before recording today. Let's start from the beginning. And you've got a company that has reached out to you for the first yeah. time. And, and I think given the specializations that yourself and ScaleOps have, what are the common challenges that folks are coming to you with at the minute? Obviously, everyone wants more revenue and to close more deals, right? But I'd love to get more specific of kind of the most common challenges that you're seeing at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Our tagline is like, scale your sales. Everyone wants to scale your sales. And there's a million ways to do that. <laughs> Specifically, because we work with so many different clients, so many different types of clients, we have like this sort of bird's eye view on the different issues that people come to us with. Generally falls into two categories. One is the implementation, which is a company can have a CRM, but they haven't implemented it properly. So they come to us and say, fix this. Some are moving from another system uh, to HubSpot and they want to rebuild all of their existing business operations and integrate it with their existing tech stack. It will need an implementation, but a more high-level, large-scale implementation. And if it's like a small startup, they might not have a CRM at all and want us to implement it from scratch. And in the operations basket, it's more a company could not have a specific revenue operations role, and they're seeing all sorts of issues crop up as a result. And this could be like a company that knows they have some issues, but they don't know what the source of those issues are. It could be that they're not seeing, let's say, the reports that they need. They're not seeing the accurate numbers in the reports. And then we go in, we do an audit, we see that it's actually coming from an issue with their data, how they're collecting data, how their salespeople are working. So with reporting, it's always like that. Like reporting is like the end, what we get at the end when everything else is built out. And then there's also the operations, automation. People want to work more efficiently. They want to have a structured process, guidelines to work by to be more efficient. Could be that they identified that their team is doing tons of manual tasks and they're not really using the system. They have this super powerful system. It's not cheap and they're not really getting a return on their investment because they're simply not using it. And that's generally like an issue with enablement. So these are more or less the categories or the reasons people come to us in the beginning. It's oftentimes like a can of worms. They come with one issue and then, you know, you find out that there's other things that can be worked on. Always more to do. Just a quick reminder, and then we will be right back to the show. At Revenue Insights, our goal is to share how top performing revenue leaders build predictable, efficient, go-to-market teams. Every week, we speak to the brightest minds and every quarter, we release the latest findings from our analysis of billions of dollars in pipeline. If you don't want to miss out, sign up to our newsletter at ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash sign up. 
That's ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash sign up. The link to make that a little bit easier for you will be in the show notes of this episode wherever you're listening. See you there. Yeah, as I think everyone listening will be familiar with. Now, there's a lots of different threads that I could probably pull on there. The one that springs most to mind, and particularly given Inbound and Sasta were last week at, at the time that we're recording right now, and certainly from folks that we were speaking to on the ground, there is still that big problem around adoption of a CRM. And you were starting to touch on it there in terms of implementation. And it's more acute at the minute, I would say, because of you know, the state of the market. We're spending a lot of money on our CRM. And, you know, we're not seeing the value out of it, but there's a general acceptance that, yes, we need one. So I just want to dig into that a little bit more of why do you think so many folks are still struggling with adoption of it? And what perhaps do you think are some of the root causes of that? That is a super great question. I'm happy you asked. There are many reasons that a company might not fully adopt a CRM. Sometimes it happens because it was one person who purchased the software. And it handed over many hands until the actual person implementing it. And, you know, you have to make sure they're all connected and they all understand and have the same goals. And it could be that the system isn't actually good for the team that it was purchased for. It could be that it was implemented and the person who implemented it isn't in the company anymore, let's say, or just came for a specific project and then left. So lots of times we see that there's a system, it's put into place and there's none of the training and none of the guidance that people have in order to make it part of their day-to-day. So something that we do in order to bypass this when we're implementing a system is, I mean, obviously there's like the training as we go, which is important. When we implement a step, we, we train the relevant teams on it to see that they know how to use it, that it's good for them. And we make like playbooks and guides. So, you know, once you, if you're going on holiday for two weeks, you could say, here's the playbook and guide. This is uh, what you need to do when I'm gone, right? Or someone new is coming to the team. Here's a video on how you can run this process. But the main thing to do that we see is like super important to build it together with this people using the system or to just keep them in mind. Because if you're adding two extra steps to let's say a salesperson's routine, there's like super high chance they'll want to save time, not do those two steps and they'll skip it. And especially if it's super inconvenient, going to another website, filling something in, or even without that, like even if they are doing that and they are using that five minutes to do what they have to do, they're wasting those five minutes. So it can cost them with their efficiency. So we really work to build the system with our clients to make sure that it's working for them. Mm. I suppose a lot of what you're talking about there is really around alignment, right? From top through to bottom. And so how would you then, I think for a lot of of folks when they're looking at it in terms of, okay, I've got a problem around adoption and that naturally into the question of, okay, well, where do I begin with this? How do I start to understand why that is the case? before even getting to the point of how can we possibly fix this. Mm. So how do you go about doing a, I guess, a diagnostic of their, you know, their customer journey of their sales process, really get to the heart of the issue? Okay, so we usually start with, let's say, an audit, and we say, how should it run? What's it supposed to look like? What happens when a new lead comes in? How do you treat them? What does the handover to sales look like from marketing to sales? And what happens then? What are the stages in the pipeline? 
Where did this extra stage come in? Like really check into everything and understand the ideal. How is it supposed to look? And lots of times when we ask those questions, there's no 100% answer. So we say, okay, we, we need this to be clear. We need to find these answers. Because oftentimes you have to have it mapped out strategically. You have to have a common understanding why it's working like this, the way it's working. We like doing this with uh, like flow charts, what happens when, at which points, knowing every detail. And then you could implement it into your system and know that there's no extra deal stages or no leads are just sitting there if they came in from a source that wasn't accounted for. So understanding is step number one. Step number two would be, okay, now how do we, who's in charge of what? Putting names on those categories and then making sure that let's say a lead is always being passed hands properly. So it's never just like dropped, felt like it never falls in between the cracks. And once you have all of that, it's easier to fill in the blanks. I mean, it also comes in with process. The process has to be automated and it has to be set up in a way that that will happen. So there's no like, there's no way that a lead can just fall through the cracks. You'll have a reminder, you'll have whatever it is that you'll set up. I mean, it's also people knowing their responsibility, who they're responsible for, what they're responsible for, what exactly is in their jurisdiction. What's coming up for me is like you're talking through it is really you're starting to map the process from end to end, right? And there's a lot of different factors that you're trying to quite literally factor into it and, and consider. <laughs> so can you perhaps touch on like how you go about doing that? Because as with any business, like the complexities of it particularly the larger the business as well, there's a lot more that you've got to start considering the bigger the business and the amount that you've got to take into consideration. So how do you go about really getting your hands around it all and making sense of it to then be able to communicate it back in a simple way that the folks understand? So we are going to be, let's say we're working with a marketing person or the sales. It's generally like, a senior person from those teams, also customer success. And we're doing it in the beginning. It's like a high level mapping. And there it's what is supposed to happen. Now we're not getting into the details of, I mean, you could get into a million details. It depends also how big, I guess, the team is. And we really jump into those questions when it's, let's say, a global marketing team or a global sales team. Then you have to understand who reports to who and who has access to what and how that structure should be built. But there still is that baseline. How does it work? Who is in charge of what? And that has to be like, it could be, could take, it won't take like a week to figure out these things. So I think what I spoke about before, those are the things that have to be discussed. It's the flow chart without the details, without the exact messaging over what you're going to speak about or what has to be logged exactly. You'll get to that. And that's like filling in the details. That's a process. And oftentimes the process is like, that's more of the top down part, but there's also the bottom up, which is, and this is what I was saying about building the process together with the actual users. Like if you say, okay, here is this software you're going to be using. Sometimes the teams are already using a specific software. It works really, really well for them. And they don't want to move to HubSpot, let's say. So we say, okay, great. Use what you're using. We'll integrate it. So we have like a single source of truth. We can look at it and we won't make you use a different software if you're using something and it's really working amazing for you. So it comes from both directions as long as you have that structure and that flow. I suppose it's a lot of um, 
qualitative feedback, right? That you're really just absorbing at the beginning when you're auditing it to them being able exactly. to shape it to, to suit the business. Yeah, office. yeah, yeah. But lots of times it's also, again, if, if, if one of our clients don't have the answers, we've worked with enough companies to know like what to recommend as the best practice. I got you. Now, I want to change gear ever so slightly. And perhaps I know that you've worked with quite a lot of different clients from different stages and sorry, of different sizes. And now, can you talk to me perhaps about a project that from the past 12 months you are most proud of, and then perhaps add a bit more in terms of examples of what that process looked like from end to finish? I think you've talked a bit about like the general principles of how you approach it. But I would love to really understand perhaps a specific example, don't have to name names, of a client that you've worked with that you're particularly proud of. Okay, for sure. I think a classic case, this was a company that we've worked with. They have over 500 employees. So they're a bigger Israeli company. They're based in Israel, but they're international. They have offices globally. And they wanted to implement HubSpot for marketing. and they also have Salesforce for sales, but it no one was using that properly. So we had to like also integrate HubSpot and Salesforce in a way that like align it with. But once we asked all those questions, they were like, we don't know. We, we hope the salespeople use the system. So <laughs> so we also have to like know when to like say, OK, so we're bringing the leads until this point. We recommend doing X, Y and Z, but but here it is. And with that, we had to understand like the structure of the organization, right? Like what's under the headquarters domain? What do the subsidiaries have to do? What do they need access on? What do they need training on? How much of that is going to be their responsibility? And we had to also work with like many different stakeholders in the company because let's say we had to work with sales and marketing. We let a call on the marketing and sales alignment. So we discussed, okay, at what point is a lead ready to go to sales? What information do you need that to have? What kinds of leads? And how does it look like once they do go to sales? Who should we notify? So we always did like extra notifications just because <laughs> we were well aware that we didn't want anyone to be um, not notified when one of those things happened. Uh, so no, nothing is missed. And in terms of process, there was a lot of things going on at the same time. There was like the strategy and also the technical parts that also had to like work together. And, you know, when you're working with other people, there's always the some things you're waiting on from them, some things you could run with on your own. And because it was a larger company, we had to always wait for the go ahead for everyone to review everything. And sometimes that was like a large forum meeting where we had to wait to see, okay, is this is this the process that you want? But what was exciting was we were able to make recommendations. And those are the things that in the end, because we had like a strong stance on this is what works. And right now there, there's no process. <laughs> we were able to make those big changes. Beforehand, the company had like most of their leads they would do through SDR outreach. So as we were doing this and joined them in the process, they started using HubSpot for inbound marketing. So we were able to really build that inbound marketing funnel alongside them as they changed their strategy. You were mentioning like the big changes that you were making. Was it, were those big changes, the introduction of 
the inbound funnel into that? Yes, because pre also the technological aspect as well, because this was a company that was kind of using Salesforce, but they had like hundreds of thousands of leads and they had different, all of the different departments from all over the world were using different different MailChimp accounts <laughs> that they were each message, sending their newsletters from. They really had no analytics. They didn't have anything. They were just like, you know, each doing their thing and hoping it worked. So we were able to consolidate all of that into one system. And we were able to also get the insights from Salesforce and also understand like, okay, what's supposed to like really build out the process. I and mean, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to bring that to sales as well. <laughs> I want to dig a bit more into now. I know that your background and specialty really is in marketing operations. Um, I think a lot of the time on this podcast, we have a lot of focus on the revenue side of, yes. of the process and <laughs> not always on like the top end of the process. So what I want to dig into a bit more is how do you go about the alignment between marketing and sales and particularly kind of an, like examples that you've started to talk about there where you've got marketers on HubSpot, for example, and sales on Salesforce. I mean, I'm sure that will resonate with quite a few people living on two different systems. And yeah, yeah. As, as organizations get bigger, it's very easy to become siloed and very disconnected. So I'm interested really to understand, I guess, what your principles are around how you start getting those teams to align together. Yeah. First, I also want to add on the topic of marketing operations as like the top end and generally not related to revenue. This is something that every marketer comes to me to and says, we want to know the attribution. <laughs> we want to attribute the leads to marketing <laughs> and then consequently the, the revenue so that they actually get credited for the leads that they're bringing in. Because unless you have that built in, unless you have an understanding of which leads are coming from where, and you know what leads are coming from, which channel even, if it's coming from paid ads, if it's coming from organic search, social media, whatever it is. If you know where they're coming from, you'll be able to see which channels are working the best. And you'll be able to also follow up those leads and see, okay, these are the types of leads that are working amazingly. All of these are closing. Let's only focus on this one channel. You could also see in terms of the following up into sales, speaking of siloed, like besides for that, there's always the argument of these leads are amazing, but sales isn't closing them well. And then sales may say, oh, marketing is just not giving me good leads. So you'll be able to actually see from the data if the leads are good and whose fault it is, <laughs> which is nice. In terms of the marketing and sales alignment, generally, again, there's that strategic aspect, which is at what point is the lead ready to have a sales call? And like, we always recommend when a lead says, I'm interested in speaking to sales, <laughs> move them to sales. That's when they're ready. But sometimes companies, especially if it's smaller companies, they might say, the lead came in, they've been opening 10 of our emails. Let's reach out to them, which is also fine. Look, it, uh, it also depends like if you want to start sending them higher intent content and leading them up to the booking a sales meeting. So it really depends on what the company wants to do with uh, and like at what point. So we build out all of those scenarios and sometimes it's building out the content specifically if they are more active and they're part of your ICP, you might want to send them more high intent content. If they 
aren't, then you might want to say, okay, they've been in our database for X amount of time. We don't have to keep marketing to them, whatever it is. And once you have that understanding of who is what and you, sales and marketing agrees that, that that's what's best, like sales also doesn't want to waste their time speaking to people who aren't ready to get on a sales call. So generally having those conversations, working that out, and then mapping out at what point you want that handover to be, then we can start building it in once we get to that agreement. Just a quick reminder, and then we will be right back to the show. At Revenue Insights, our goal is to share how top performing revenue leaders build predictable, efficient, go-to-market teams. Every week, we speak to the brightest minds, and every quarter, we release the latest findings from our analysis of billions of dollars in pipeline. If you don't want to miss out, Sign up to our newsletter at ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash sign up. That's ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash sign up. The link to make that a little bit easier for you will be in the show notes of this episode wherever you're listening. See you there. Nice. I feel like asking a question about attribution is going to be like opening Pandora's box in a way. But uh, the thing is, you mentioned it. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to actually touch on it. Because like coming from a, a marketer's background and anyone in operations, I'm sure can sympathize in many ways. Attribution is very hard to get right. And often it's very difficult to truly understand where a lead is coming from. We have our, you know, first touch, last touch, multi-touch attribution models. And everyone's got a different opinion on it and how to get it right. And I would love to get your opinion on it in terms of what, do you believe is the best way to approach attribution and how to make it work successfully? Okay, so I always think like with everything, start simple and then and then sophisticate it. First, you have to have a clear understanding of all of your leads of which where they're coming from. And that may be obvious. And for some, they might not have that. They might just like send links that don't have tracking parameters attached to it. And they're they're just not sure who's coming from where, like they know maybe technically which link or which form they filled out, but not how they got to that form. So sometimes it's just as simple as finding out their first touch, where they're from. We always like to add a question in the sales call of how they heard of the company or even on the form, like where did you hear about XYZ? So that's like a, in the person's perception, that's generally like what stood out most to them or where they think they heard of them. So that's also something that's like easy things to set up and to just like be able to calculate and also to get those numbers. And then there's obviously like the, which content is working better, which pages are performing better, who's visiting what and of the people that downloaded whichever content, who is converting most to sales, Yeah, I think it's more like it's building it up. And once you have the basis, once you understand what's performing well and who's coming from where and how that's affecting their process, I think then you can start building multi-touch, understanding like the journey, their entire journey of what they've been through. All right, Panina, last question. What is one book that you'd recommend to other revenue leaders? Oh, I love this question. (laughs) I'm actually in the middle of a book now. And it's really changed my day-to-day. It's called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And I, I'm naturally a late-night person. So this really terrified me by starting the book with like a bunch of diseases you can get by not sleeping enough. 
yeah, that's my <laughs> recommendation. And no matter where you are, what you do, we all need eight hours. I love it. Really uh, fundamental advice to, to anyone listening. I can I can echo that, actually. It's a good book, but... Not related to marketing or sales, but just like... <laughs> no, but... Um, do well for yourself. In, in, in any role, whether you're a salesperson on the front line or a RevOps person in the... I was going to say the back room, like in the engine room. Probably where I was going with that, uh, getting a good night's sleep actually makes a humongous difference. I really like it. Yeah, you could turn up as your best self. Exactly. Okay, Penina, it's been an absolute pleasure for anyone listening at home that's curious a bit more to find a little bit more about what you guys are doing or what you're up to, where can they find you? They can find us on LinkedIn, ScaleOps, or Clude, or on the internet. <laughs> we'll put links to those down below. So that'll help narrow it down a bit more than uh, that. Exactly, than exactly. Being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panina, thank you so much again. And to everyone that's listened this week, we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much. It was great being here. Thanks for listening to Revenue Insights. If you want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.